G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's a prayer of surrender. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie explains what it means. Jesus, I give you the master key to every door in my life. I want you to rule over my social media. I want you to rule over my friendships. I want you to rule over my marriage. I want you to rule over my career. I want you to rule over my thought life. I want you to rule over everything. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is the day when the lost are found. prayer is God giving us carte blanche for our wants and desires. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that the Lord's Prayer, our model for effective prayer, invites Jesus to take over our wants and desires and to be the Lord of our lives. When Jesus is Lord, His desires become our desires and we begin to enjoy a peace and fulfillment like we've never known. Glad you're with us today for practical instruction on prayer and on life itself. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. And the title of my message is How to and How Not to Pray. I almost called my message How Not to Pray, but I thought no one would ever listen to a message like that. So let's talk about how to pray, but before that, let's talk about how not to pray. That's what Jesus addresses in the verses that precede what we call the Lord's Prayer. Look at Matthew 6 starting in verse five, and our Lord says this. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do or the non-believers. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. We'll stop there. Sin knows no boundaries. <laughs> Who would ever think that one could sin when they're coming into God's presence to pray? But Jesus is showing you can still be guilty of hypocrisy and self-centeredness. See, the primary problem of the Pharisees, they used to with the religious elite, the leaders of the day, is for them prayer was theater. It was a performance. You know, they would stand on a street corner, sometimes someone would sound a trumpet, dun, 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 and they would pray their great, beautiful, eloquent prayers. And Jesus said, you know what? God doesn't care about stuff like that. You're putting on a show. You're praying to be seen by men. You're so worried about impressing people. God's not impressed. But here's something you need to understand. Why do we pray? 
Well, Jesus says in verse eight, your father knows what you need before you ask him. <laughs> oh, well if that's the case, then why pray? I, if I can't change mine, why pray? I've heard people say, you know, I've been wrestling with God in prayer. Man, I hope you lost. <laughs> I'd hate to see what would happen if God did what you want him to do. So here's the thing we need to know about prayer. God knows what you need before you pray. So the objective of prayer is not to change God, it's to change you. You're not telling God something he's not aware of. Prayer is not to inform God, rather it's to invite God. I'm inviting him into my life. I'm inviting him into my challenges. I'm inviting him into the things that I am dealing with. Think of prayer as a conversation between a father and a child. The value of prayer is it keeps me in touch with God. Prayer is getting closer to God. That's why you should pray. So coming back to the Lord's Prayer, he says in verse nine, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we know that this prayer can be divided into two sections. I pointed out the first three statements, your kingdom come, your will be done, deal with the glory of God. The final statements deal with the need of man and that's what we're focusing on now, our needs. We've already discovered that we should pray our Father who art in heaven. Jesus did not teach us to pray our deity who art in heaven or our God who art in heaven or our Creator who art in heaven. Though He is all those things, He's your Father. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of closeness. Now, don't base your view of God on your earthly Father. You may have had the worst dad ever, but your heavenly Father is different in every way. As Jesus pointed out in the story of the prodigal son, He's a Father who misses us when we're gone. A Father who longs for communication with us. A Father who will throw His arms around us and kiss us even when we've gone astray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that even mean? It means honored be your name, set apart is your name. It's acknowledging the greatness of God. To pray hallowed be your name is to say, Lord, I want to set you a part of my life in character. I want to live a life that honors you. So periodically I need to ask myself as I look at my interests, my ambitions, my pursuits, is this for the glory of God? Can I write, hallowed be your name over this, over your career, whatever it is you do, or maybe the friends you hang out with, can you write, hallowed be his name over your close circle of friends? How about the TV programs you watch or the movies you see or the music you listen to, can you write, hallowed be his name over it? Listen, if you can't ask the Lord to bless it, then don't do it. So he says we should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This reminds us that the primary objective of prayer is to first line up my will with the will of God True praying is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's taking hold of His willingness. Listen, prayer is not about getting my will in heaven. It's about getting God's will on earth. And if you want to see your prayers answered in the affirmative, that's the secret. That's the key. Find out what the will of God is and start praying that way. You say, how do you know the will of God? It's right here in this book. 
It's right here in the scripture. The more you read it, the more you understand it, the more you'll discover what God's will is for you. Listen to this amazing promise of Jesus in John 15. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. A better translation would put it this way, Jesus speaking, if you maintain a living communion with me and my words are at home with you, you can ask at once for yourself whatever your heart desires and it's yours. Ooh, whatever my heart desires. Sounds like one of those genie jokes, right? Oh master, I'll give you whatever you want. Yeah, that's what I want God to do. Well, I want this and I want that. Hold on now. Go back to the conditions. Jesus says, if you maintain a living communion with me and my word is at home in you, see, that's gonna change the way that you pray. So God wants us to discover his will. It's sort of like if I'm in a boat and I wanna get to the dock and I throw my little boat hook toward the dock. Am I pulling the dock toward me or am I pulling myself toward the dock? Well, I'm pulling myself toward the dock. In the same way in prayer, am I pulling God my way? Here, God, do what I want you to do. No, I'm pulling myself God's way. So we should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. Thanks for joining us. And today he's presenting a practical series examining the principles of the Lord's Prayer as found in Matthew chapter 6. Let's continue. What does it mean when we pray, your kingdom come? Well, it's a multi-level request with different shades of meaning. First and foremost, when I pray for the kingdom of God, I'm simply praying, I want the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in my life. What is the kingdom of God? It's, it's a relationship with God. When Jesus walked this earth, on one occasion he said, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. He was saying, I'm here, and wherever I am, that's where the kingdom is. So really here's an interesting thing. When I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, I'm really praying for the immediate return of Jesus Christ. Because the word that Jesus uses here for kingdom does not primarily refer to a geographical territory, but rather to sovereignty and dominion. Therefore when I pray your kingdom come, I'm praying for God's rule on earth. And that day is coming. Revelation eleven fifteen says the seven angels sounded his trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of the Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. That day is going to come when God's going to rule everything. But until that day we're saying Lord come soon. Come quickly. The word that is used there for come speaks of a sudden instantaneous coming. Lord I'm not just praying you come back. I'm praying you come back soon. Is that your prayer? How many of you want Jesus to come back soon? Raise up your hand. Yeah, I do too. By the way, if you didn't raise your hand, maybe that's an indication of where you're at spiritually. Because I think when you're truly walking with the Lord, you'll long for His return. But if you're not as strong in your faith as you ought to be, you may be a bit concerned about this. That's why Second Peter 3.14 says, Dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. So we're praying for the Lord to return. Number two, this is a personal request. Thy kingdom come. I'm praying for the kingdom of God and the rule of Christ in my own life. In effect, I'm saying, Jesus, I give you the master key to every door in my life. 
Or maybe a more current illustration would be, I'm giving you my password. Oh, I hate passwords. There's so many we have to remember. And, and you know, all the time I'm clicking, forget your password, right under the word moron. Yeah, that's me. Because you know, you have to have so many numbers in them and, and uppercase and lowercase. And, and so I can remember what that password is. And, but here's something, you know, my wife has my password to everything if she can remember it. <laughs> but uh, she can access my email. She can look at anything that I write. For that matter, my grandchildren have my password. Because they'll say, Papa, can we download a game on iTunes? And I'll say, okay. So I have all these games on my phone. My wife wisely took all the games off of her phone. So when they want to play with the phone, it's my phone. <laughs> so now I'll get updates in the middle of the night. Pet Hotel has a new update. Pet Hotel. You woke me up at two in the morning to tell me this? But here's my point. We're saying, Lord, you can have my password. Now, by the way, God already knows your password. Uh, even if you have a secure server somewhere, you think, you know, God can get through any firewall anywhere. He doesn't even have to hack it. He just looks at it. But the point is you give it to Him. Lord, I want you to rule over this. I want you to rule over my social media. I want you to rule over my friendships. I want you to rule over my marriage. I want you to rule over my career. I want you to rule over my thought life. I want you to rule over everything. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Listen, you can't pray thy kingdom come until you first pray my kingdom go. So Lord, I pray for your kingdom to come. Also, this is a request for the salvation of those that don't know the Lord. You know, as this kingdom is ruling and reigning in our lives, we can play a part in bringing it to others as well. God's kingdom is brought to this earth every time a new person is introduced to Jesus. Because the kingdom of God just started in their life as well. So really when I pray thy kingdom come, it's an evangelistic prayer. I'm praying for the rule and reign of Christ in the life of others. God wants everyone to believe in Jesus. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You say, well, Greg, doesn't that mean that in the end everyone will believe and everyone will go to heaven? Sadly, no. Sadly, no. Because Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that go that way, but narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there are that find it. So when I'm praying thy kingdom come, I'm praying for my non-believing friend or relative and I'm saying, Lord, open their heart. Open their spiritual eyes and show them their need for Jesus. Listen, they can escape your presence but they can never escape your prayers. And by the way, there comes a point when you need to stop preaching and start praying. We're told in Scripture to pray for non-believers. Remember it says over in Isaiah 53, 12, that Jesus interceded for the transgressors. He interceded for them. When did he do that? Remember his first words from the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that thief crucified next to him believed. So we should pray for folks to come to the Lord. Pastor Greg Laurie pointing out how our prayers are a powerful tool in our efforts to reach friends and loved ones for the Lord. 
And next time, Pastor Greg offers even more practical insight on effective prayer. He'll point out that God wants us to pray to Him regularly. We'll see the evidence of that in the Lord's Prayer itself. But before we go for today and this week, Pastor Greg has a final comment about personal evangelism and how, at times, prayer might be a better option than preaching. You know, when you've shared the gospel with someone over and over and over, there can come a point where your sermonizing can start driving them away. I was in a restaurant a while back and I wanted to order a hamburger, but I got some lame sandwich instead. And I went up to get a napkin and I noticed some guy ordered the burger and it looked amazing. I said, sir, tell me, is that burger good? He said, this burger's fantastic. I said, I'm gonna order that burger next time I come. His wife's just staring at me really strangely. And then she says, excuse me, yes, are you Greg Laurie, the pastor? Yeah, I am. Oh, I'm a Christian. I said, well, that's fantastic. She says, but my husband, he's not a Christian. (laughs) And I've been talking to him about Jesus for years. He's just standing there with his hamburger. (laughs) During the headlamps. I thought, poor guy. No wonder he's not a Christian. (laughs) She said, say something to my husband. I looked at this poor guy and I said, enjoy your burger. Greg, you didn't preach a sermon? You didn't have the Harvest Crusade pulpit? Why no? You know, that poor guy's heard enough sermons. There comes a point where maybe we need to just shut up and stop preaching and start praying for the person. That God will help them to see it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. Search How To and How Not To Pray at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.